The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. All right, welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Um, we are continuing from last week, uh, part two of this series here on banking. And Glenn, last week we, we got heavily into what your bank does and mm-hmm. FDIC. And this was all kind of on the heels of some of the recent bank failures. So yeah. a lot of, this is on a, a lot of people's minds. But what we wanted to do, and we touched on the Federal Reserve last week quite a bit, but we're going to get more into it and, and slice into this a, a bit more, some of the history and, and stuff like that. And if you've got any questions for Glenn, Call him anytime. Glenn Least, Intelligent Investing um, at WT. What, what, w, let me get the email right. Intelligent Investing at WTWealthManagement.com or call 928-225-2474. merging email and phone numbers <laughs> at the same time there, Glenn. Um, so when we covered the Federal Reserve last time, I mean, talk about just give us kind of a recap on that and then let's dive deeper into this, Glenn. Yeah. So when we're talking about the uh, banking system, a lot of times we were referring to the Fed as um, sometimes their role in the banking system. And so naturally, I thought the next uh, part of the conversation is, well, what is the Fed? How does it work? How does it operate? Um, because I believe the more that we know uh, about their function, the more we understand what they're doing. And, and frankly, it's been a lot more prominent in the last couple of years in our, our daily lives. Um, what the Fed has been doing um, has been impacting um, all of us. And so it's uh, important to know who they are, what they do and why they do it. So um, thought it'd be a great episode to cover more. Probably shouldn't be so prominent in our lives, right? <laughs> we should all know about it, right? It's, it's It has become a big part of yeah, it is what it is, yeah. everyone's life. Yeah. yeah. So known as the Fed, um, talk central banking system, talk about how they, I guess, regulate the, the money supply. Yeah. So the Federal Reserve, um, also referred to as the Fed, their primary purpose is to promote a stable and healthy economy by regulating the monetary supply, managing interest rates and overseeing the banking system. Um, they also, it's comprised of 12 uh, regional banks throughout the country with a central board of governors in Washington, DC. And the board of governors is usually seven members. <clears throat> and those are appointed by the president of the United States and confirmed by the Senate. And they are on 14 year terms. So um, they've kind of got different chapters of the fed. Um, and then they have the big fed, you know, where they, you know, meets, you may have heard the, the feds meeting this month. Yeah. You hear Jerome Jack- Powell, for yeah, example. Jerome yeah. Powell yeah. or Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when they're all coming together and meeting for multiple days and reviewing all the economic data, what's going on in the economy, um, as far as like consumer spending and, um, you know, how the bank's doing, how's inflation, how is the unemployment rate? So, so really recently, the Fed has been focusing a lot on controlling inflation, mm-hmm. uh, keeping unemployment uh, uh, really low or healthy. And then now I think they're going to be focusing more on the banking system as well, just to make sure it's solvent, it's healthy, it's stable, and fix any kind of maybe potholes in the road of the banking system. That um, So that way we can have just a smoother financial banking system. When they meet, you often hear about, oh, we're setting monetary policy. I guess wh- what's that mean and how does the Fed <laughs> affect uh, monetary policy. Yeah. So they, 
when you talk about affecting monetary policy, they've got different tools um, in their disposal. And one way is the Fed can adjust the money supply by buying or selling uh, government securities in the open market, which uh, really just affects the interest rates the banks charge for loans. Um, and by changing interest rates, the Fed can influence borrowing and spending by consumers and businesses, uh, which can in turn impact economic growth and inflation. So um, they have a number of different tools, um, but um, one of them is uh, definitely through the interest rates and um, uh, affecting those through um, what they charge to lend out their money as well. They're called the discount rate. What What is... You know the background on that? I mean, that's that's what they call it. Yeah, so... I don't the, feel like I get a discount when I get a loan or something. Yeah, what they're talking <laughs> about is the what, what the Federal Reserve charges banks to borrow money. Okay. Um, and they call that the discount rate. Um, yeah, it's just basically whatever the bank uh, has to pay to borrow money from the Fed. And so the Fed can raise or lower that discount rate, um, which influences the cost of borrowing from banks. And that usually affects credit cards to um, mortgages to um, uh, pretty much everything as far as loans go, um, both for businesses and personal. So um, last year in 2020, they changed the um, rate and it's all the way up to four to four and a quarter. Um, it's kind of where it's at. Um, no, right now it's like 4.5 actually yeah. uh, for this year. So that's what it costs um, to borrow money from the, from the federal reserve. So the banks have to pay that. And if you think about that, they're not going to charge 3% for a loan. The, the bank system is not, they're going to charge at least um, what they're being charged plus some. And reserve requirements. We, we hit on that quite a bit last week. Um, Talk about that real quick. Yeah. So the Federal Reserve can make changes to that. Um, so for the individual banks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they can say, well, your, your reserve requirement was 10%. We're going to make it 15%. So that way we can create more stability. Um, and so by raising or lowering the reserve requirements, uh, the Fed can influence the amount of money that banks can lend, uh, which also affect, uh, affects the monetary supply and interest rates. So um, it's kind of another interesting feature of um, how they can affect monetary policy. Um, when you talk about, they say, hey, we get forward guidance. They, they usually have their meetings and then you see CNBC flashes all these reports and all this stuff. What uh, What is that? Yeah, so – You've probably heard the phrase, don't fight the Fed. Um, and what they're talking about is um, <clears throat> whatever news comes out of the Federal Reserve when they do those meetings and where they're projecting things or where they're saying they want to get things to has a huge impact on the stock market, huge impact on interest rates and you know just our, our monetary supply in general. So um, a lot of people are very closely looking at every single word they say when they come out of those meetings and they release the minutes to see, well, what are they going to do in 2023? What's their forward guidance of their plan for the year? Um, sometimes they'll be very vague. They say, we're going to raise interest rates until inflation has hit a reasonable number or something like that. And you're like, well, what's reasonable? <laughs> so sometimes they can choose to be very concise with their wording. And sometimes they choose to be more vague mm-hmm. and leave it more open-ended to say, well, um, we'll lower interest rates when the economy is quote unquote healthy. And you're like, well, what is healthy? What is healthy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that so, $8 eggs or $12? Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's when they talk about forward guidance, that's what they're saying. It's just, what are they project moving forward? And then the markets basically, uh, move according to that forward guidance. 
something that I never heard of until the 2008 financial crisis. Um, and now it's, it's in the lingo all the time. You, you often hear this QE, QE1, QE2, QE infinity, quantitative, <laughs> quantitative easing. Uh, define that, Glenn. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So there's actually an interesting, um, uh, documentary I just was watching the other day. It just came out like three weeks ago. It's called The Age of Easy Money. Mm. And it's all about the Federal Reserve, what they've been doing, what they did in 2008. And so in 2008, they implemented this um, strategy. And it was really just, it was an extreme strategy. It was really never been done before. Uh, they called it quantitative easing. And so what that meant is they're going to inject a large amount of money into the economy. Um, and so they were able to do that by themselves purchasing um, long-term securities, assets from banks, um, which in turn helps the banks increase their reserve capacity and encourages them to lend more. So you may have heard the Fed has <clears throat> X amount of dollars on their balance sheet. Um, that's them buying stuff. And you're like, well, where did the Fed get their money? You're like, good question, right? And it's all just uh, on a ledger somewhere. So um, that's where the inflation really became an issue is because technically it was money out of thin air. Mm -hmm. You're like, there's, you know, where did that money come from? Um, and so as the quantitative easing started in 2008, that really boosted the economy and uh, lowered interest rates, stimulated economic growth. Banks were willing to lend again because um, when we hit the depths of the recession, a lot of banks were like, nope, not lending, not doing anything, anything risky. They may have even chopped down credit card limits from 20 20,000 to 10,000 because they just were trying to reduce their risk. But yeah. if you all of a sudden have, more liquidity. Um, you've got more reserves. You're going to say, well, things are looking better. We've got more capacity. Um, let's, uh, let's, you know, be a little bit more easy on some of those lending policies where we were strict, uh, you know, a little bit ago. I remember when they're cutting those credit lines, if you had a home equity line of credit, things like mm -hmm. that, you'd get a notice back in the great financial crisis, you know, especially into 09 and 10, that's gone. Something you may have had for a long time, they would actually cut those uh -huh. down yeah. and, um, business credit cards, things like that. So I guess the, the, it's contracted, the credit market contracted significantly. Yeah. Dur um, during impacted the, a lot of folks during the recession. And so to yeah. counter that, they injected a bunch of money back into the system. And during the pandemic, they did, uh, some more of that too. Um, and it was significantly more yeah. than they did in 2008. And I remember in 2008, it was like this big uproar that they were bailing out some of the banks and they were doing these stimulus checks, which I think it was like 300 bucks, something like stimulus checks. Yeah, it was under something. George, yeah. Uh, w, but, George Bush, w. Yeah. Bush, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, I remember getting one of them and I was like 18 or 19, like, what's all this? Yeah. You're like, here's your $18.83 <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but then you think about what they did this round. They really just threw everything at trillions. The, yeah, trillions of dollars at the um, pandemic. I think it was like almost $8 trillion. Yeah. Uh, money was created out of basically thin air. So, and then we're wondering why inflation is high. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, and that was that creating all that money that people were out there trying to find places to dump it and spend it. Yeah. And you think back to 08 and the whole debate was over, I can't remember exactly. It was either 600 or $800 billion in bailouts and all banks, that. Yeah. And that was like, Oh, this is, this is a one-time thing. <laughs> and it was an obscene amount of money. And then you fast forward to 2020, 21, and it was not, hundreds of billions. It was trillions and trillions, like you said. 
So times have changed. What, what will come next? I guess <laughs> I, in that documentary and actually remember hearing this, um, you know, this is during the Obama era. Um, and there's all those bank CEOs bonusing them out tons of money with the bailout money. And they got so mad at that. They're like, there'll be time to make profits, but now is not the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you need to, you know, make sure your bank is stable, that sort of thing. Not give yourself a massive bonus off of the Crazy bailout stuff. money. Yeah. yeah. So what do I see moving forward? Um, unfortunately, there's really not a lot of repercussions these banks are facing um, when they um, are just pushing the envelope too much or they're too risky or they're just not um, managing risk appropriately. So it's kind of this interesting phenomenon where the banks, if they take a lot of risk and they make a lot of money, great. But if they take a lot of risk and it goes under, well, they just have a backstop. The government will bail them back, yeah. back out. So you're like, via the taxpayers. Yeah, it's like, how does, that's not a free market economy. Then what is that? Like that's, um, well, it straight. creates more risk and more bad behavior. Exactly. Yeah, right. It just, it just yeah, encourages and it, that. The same thing will happen with loan forgiveness for student loans. They think that it will help, but actually schools will start charging more money because they know that, Hey, this person just got $10,000 mm-hmm. loan forgiven. We can, you know, try and milk out 10,000 more out of them. So, uh, yeah, yeah you want to, um, have policies that curb bad behavior. And unfortunately with them bailing out the banks, um, it just, there was no repercussions and yeah, you want the banking system to be stable. And I know that's a you know crazy fearful thing that that bank would potentially fail. So I think they're trying to just get more confidence by the U S consumer, but long-term may not have been the, um, the best move. Yeah. And, and they just, we'll see what comes next and hopefully things people tend to want change after a long time of something going down a certain road. So maybe the pendulum swings, Glenn, we shall see. <laughs> I don't, yeah. You, you look skeptical. All right. If you want to talk with Glenn, yeah, there you go. Glenn would love to have that conversation with you. 928-225-2474. You can also email intelligentinvesting at wtwealthmanagement.com. Let, let's talk more when we come back, Glenn, about uh, more in reserve, uh, res- the, the responsibilities of the, the Federal Reserve and um, um, what and how they, they should be used and, and how they use that going forward. So yeah, yeah. we'll do that and uh, hang tight. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Give Glenn a call right now at 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. More Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least when we come back. Welcome back. You're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Email Glenn, intelligentinvesting at wtwealthmanagement.com or call 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. We've been talking about, well, last week, and and if you want to catch up on um, more specific on banking issues, uh, private banks, commercial banks, things like that, um, Look up Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least on your favorite uh, podcast provider. Been talking about the Federal Reserve and its roles. I guess let's talk more about more of the responsibilities of the Federal Reserve to wrap this up, Glenn. Yeah. So um, really, really, the Federal Reserve, um, the 
idea of it when it was created was really to be a um, option of last resort, right? It wasn't meant to save us from every single recession that was supposed to happen, which I think is kind of now the role that they've been filling is uh, we're going to never really let bad recessions happen and the market correct themselves. We're just kind of, kind of, you know, help them through those times, which is difficult. So when the really bad times happen, you've already kind of used up all your, your firepower on those, you know, smaller ones. So, um, yeah, they're really, they're meant to be just a, a, a lender of last resorts. So if, um, you know, banks were struggling or look like they're about to fail, they can buy up some more of their, um, their more like their, uh, treasuries, their mortgage backed Mm, securities, some of their assets to provide more liquidity. And they, the federal reserve really wants to create stability in the financial system. So if there's risk of catastrophic failure, they're going to be pretty aggressive with some of their changes and the tools that they can use to help the financial system stay strong. So, um, that's one thing. And then there, we didn't talk a ton about this, but when we talk about the federal reserve regulating banks, part of that is they're supposed to go in and and make regular examinations, look at their books, looks at their balance sheets, uh, make sure everything is really on the up and up. And I don't think that, I don't know how SVB was able to stay as risky as they were for that long, uh, which makes me wonder, um, were the inspections not done up to full, um, you know, full as much as they should be, they, they weren't you know mm-hmm. done to hundred percent accuracy yeah. or did they let stuff slide they because slipped, yeah, just slipped. Yeah. yeah. They should have, you know, addressed that right Looked on the other way. Cause this was an issue for many years. It wasn't just like, Oh, this is overnight. Like they knew about this issue with that bank for a while and they just, for whatever reason, it just didn't get fixed. So I think, um, the federal reserve, maybe is going to have to up their game in that, that area of just, well, you think being, they would have learned less, learned a lesson in 2008, Glenn, you know, when, when all that happened. You'd think, <laughs> but then again, since they got, the banks got bailed out in 2008, they're like, well, if we fail, we'll just get bailed out, you know, just like they did. So it kind of sets a bad precedence. Um, and yeah, it would have caused some definitely strain in the financial system if they didn't bail out those big banks. But I honestly think it would have probably been for the better. Um, cause then they would be able to curb some of that bad and risky behavior. Yeah. And then how does the average consumer out there who's looking to put their money into any bank, how do you know? I mean, yeah. I, it's hard to, is that information readily available? Do you have to dig pretty deep as far as well, what's this bank look like as far as assets on the book? And then do you yeah. even know what you're looking at if you were to get their uh, financial records, I guess? Uh, for the Yeah, their financial records, yes and no. It's not always transparent, like what they're exactly investing in. But <clears throat> say for our clients, when um, we're investing in like a bank product, say like a CD, we actually do a lot of research on that particular bank, make sure they're solvent, look at their reserve requirements, um, and do the best we can to make sure that they're just a, a solid bank. And of course they have all the FDIC guarantees too. Um, but that's, you know, it's part of what the role that we can play. Cause there's a lot that you have to look for and you may not know exactly what you're looking for. Um, when you're trying to evaluate, is this bank, um, a good solid bank, but you know, most of the big banks are great and, uh, you know, it's not a really big deal, but, um, knock on wood, hopefully that stays the case. Yeah. Going forward. Um, looking at all of this and wrapping this all back up into the past and this episode and the past episode, Glenn, um, um, where are we at? I mean, the federal reserve is supposed to play that crucial role of maintaining the stability of, yeah. of banks going forward and the economy too. And, and, so. and the economy. So they threw that in there too and keeping inflation at 2% or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. or yeah. there's a lot there. 
where, well, let me ask you this just off the top of my head. Is that, is it, has society asked too much of one organization and really a small group of in, individuals um, for, for the sake of our entire economy and the banking Probably, system? <laughs> yeah. Cause there's some people that have, you've heard the uh, phrase ban the fed, right? They don't, yeah. they don't want that much control to be had by it's a non-government agency so it's not you know it sounds like it's a government agency the federal reserve but it's not um and so yeah i think um i mean their original role was just to be a backstop really mm-hmm. just a last resort but now they're getting much more involved with interest rates inflation uh, economic health um obviously the banking um, system, make sure it's solvent and good and healthy. That that's no brainer. They should obviously always be doing that. But some of the areas they're dabbling in, do they really need to? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that all that new additional money, um, now that we're looking back on it was necessarily the best move. Um, cause it's caused rapid inflation. So yeah, those egg prices. Yeah, any, money, down a little bit. any money you made on your stimulus check, you've had to repay back a many lot times more over. Yeah. In inflation this, this last year and a half. Yeah. If you're going to buy gas for the car that costs a lot more to go buy the eggs that yeah. cost a lot more. Um, Unless you get chickens. On. We, uh, yeah. went out to like 24. So yeah, good. We got as many eggs as we need. So. Yeah. We've upped our <laughs> game a little bit too on, in that regard. And, uh, We'll see what happens with the, all it's those. so hard when you go to the store and it's like, buy one, get one free. You're like, who could pass up a sale Yeah, <laughs> on the chicks yeah. on the chicks. Yeah. yeah. It's like, especially as spring get deeper into spring, it's like, yeah, we got to move all these chicks out there. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's hard to pass it up because for a few bucks you can get eggs for a few years. Yeah. My so kids name every single one of them. And I know like two of the 25. Names. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. All right. So I, everything else is just to switch gears, Glenn. Yeah. Um, um, if folks want to get in touch with you, especially in really still turbulent times yeah. out there, um, I'm sure you have a lot of people calling you, Hey, what do we do here? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's still just uncertain times. Um, but things are going good and, and, um, the, the world is rolled on whether or not there's a, a bank failure or two or it appears that what way. the fed does. Um, and, and well, and I think you bring up a good point, uh, like a year in 2021, everyone thought they were geniuses in the stock market. It's sure. hard to like go wrong. You just throw, you know, anything at, you know, any yeah, game name. stop. Yeah. And they <laughs> made money. And then in this year, um, I think there's a, you know, or 2022, I think there's a little bit more of a realization that that was just a, um, a short lived time period. It's not always that easy. Like I think in the early nineties when the economy was just rocking and rolling, mm-hmm. you had years there where it was just like, you know, easy money in the stock market is you really couldn't go wrong. But yeah. um, that's where like moving forward, having professionals such as us to make sure that we are investing you properly, that we're, um, doing all of our due diligence. We're, uh, creating a well diversified portfolio and really help educating our clients as well. Um, that's a big thing that I like to do is help my clients understand as much about the investing and in money, monetary policy and the economy as they want to know. Cause a more informed individual is usually a better investor as well. Yeah. It's not the mid to late nineties where if it had a dot com after it, you made a lot of money for a couple of years until you didn't. And then that collapsed. In what was that one 2000s. company? Was it like pets.com uh, that did some absurd Super Bowl ad and just spent a ton of cash? They'd never even made a profit yet. Yeah. Millions <laughs> of dollars. And yeah, wait, I remember those Super Bowls of the late nineties. I think it was maybe very early 2000 before the tech bubble burst. And every commercial was, was 
inter, you know, web-based and mm-hmm. that was new, you know, dot com, dot yeah. com. You're going to buy everything. Well, I guess eventually it did work out, but they were a bit early because now people buy so much online, but yeah. it was in its uh, infancy. Yeah. One uh, of those years, sure. the tech sector was up like 80 or 90%. Yeah, crazy. And then the next, you know, when the bubble burst, it was painful. Yeah. Get the time machine. I know in one of your early episodes of intelligent investing, you talk about the DeLorean um, or the time machine. Yeah. You built a time machine or we're building one or but you, you ordered some kit or something. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I sound like a lunatic. Yeah. That was a fun no, episode. You were younger. I no, we went on eBay and we bought, <laughs> this guy was selling a time machine and it was like this device with all these wires and you know, electrical components. And we bought it and we were like, it's not working. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, you got to do this and this yeah. and recalibrate this. Okay. We did that. It's not it's working. Not I want to see Abe Lincoln. <laughs> and that was the funniest part was just seeing his response. It's like, he actually believed this thing worked. It's like, yeah. why would you sell it then? Yeah. Why would you sell this? <laughs> but if only we had a time machine. All exactly. right. If you, if you want to talk with Glenn, give him a call at 928-225-2474 or email intelligent investing at wtwealthmanagement.com. That's fun stuff. (laughs) And look for the Time Machine episode. I think it's well worth it. Look up Intelligent Investing on your favorite podcast provider. All right, Glenn. Till next week. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. The following has been paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we've discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation was for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions.